Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Okay, in Acts chapter number three. Are you ready for God's word today? Verse number one says this. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, verse number six, I love this. We're going to look at this a lot today. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, he began to walk. He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. How beautiful is that? For the first time in this man's entire life, he's on his feet, and he's not just on his feet, he's jumping and praising God for the miracle that just happened. And when the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to be sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Today, I want to talk around this idea, what you do have, what you do have. Would you pray this out loud with me today? Say, dear God, today, do what no man can do. Open my eyes, open my heart, that I may receive your word, believe your word, and obey your word. Amen. 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 Acts chapter number three, I love it because it's, it's almost the turning of the page. It's almost the starting blocks to what has been set up in chapter one and two, getting going. So Acts one and two, we've read and talked about the last few months. It's where Jesus commissions his followers. It's where he ascends back to the Father. It's where he tells them to go wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit fills them, and the church is birthed. Uh, We see salvation. And then we see, we've talked about this the last month, what the early church devoted themselves to. So we see the beginning patterns of the early church. They're devoting themselves to to the word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we see in verse number 43 of chapter 2 that we had looked at a few weeks ago, said everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so it's saying, hey, people are noticing, people are catching that signs and wonders are taking place. And so chapter number 3 is what records and shows the first sign and first wonder where people are beginning to be amazed. So, so now is the beginning of the miracles of the book of Acts. It's the beginning of the miraculous work of Jesus through his church. It's the beginning of signs and wonders performed through the apostles as the church is birthed and multiplied and expands. It's the first recorded miracle in the book of Acts, and it really starts off a section. These next few chapters we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, um, it really starts getting into the action of the early church. In the next few chapters alone, we've got people being healed, we've got 
people being arrested. We've got legal and political tensions as the gospel is being preached. We've got corporate prayer. We've got believers that are being killed by God for lying to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That'll be a fun one. That'll be a few weeks. Make sure you come to church for that one. Uh, We've got more healings taking place. We've got persecution. We've got preaching of the gospel. We've got martyrs for the gospel. So these next few chapters in Acts, we really see the early church hit the ground running and all that it means for the gospel being spread in an area and around the region. And so uh, Acts 3 is the beginning of that. And before I get into Uh, preaching this text and giving some practical tools for us to encourage you today with this text. I'd like to give some context to this story and all that was going on and teach it a little bit before I give you some practical things. Does that sound good this morning? So when Peter and John go into the temple, they're going into the temple that was constructed by Herod. It was around the year 62, 63 AD when this temple went up and was built. And it was actually destroyed shortly after by Rome in around 70 AD. So it didn't even have a long shelf life because of Rome coming in and taking over and causing destruction. But the Jewish people, it was custom, they they had hours of sacrifice and hours of prayer daily, multiple times a day. And so the hours of prayer were nine in the morning and three in the afternoon. And so uh, on a daily basis, it was Jewish custom. They would go to the temple for prayer. They would go at nine in the morning. They would go at three in the afternoon. That was where they went to pray. And this was not a small prayer gathering. This was large. This was by the thousands. People would come in and the priest would offer sacrifices. And then they would have the hour of prayer at nine and at three. It's interesting to note that when Luke records them going to the hour of prayer, he specifically says they went to the hour of prayer, not the hour of sacrifice. The hour of sacrifice happened before the hour of prayer. The priest would make the sacrifice, and then the hour of prayer began. It's interesting, Luke says, they went to the hour of prayer. It's as if they missed the hour of sacrifice because they know that Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God slain once and for all. There's no need to kill an animal twice a day anymore. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so they they skipped out on the sacrifice. They're just there for the prayer. They're there for the hour of prayer. It was Jewish custom to give alms to the poor, to give alms to the sick, to give alms to the needy. It was seen as a righteous act. It was, it was looked upon favorably. And so because of this, people that were in need, people that were sick, people that were poor, would set up shop around the temple because the dozens and hundreds and thousands of Jewish people coming in, it was righteous for them to give to the needy. And so they would make their living outside of temple gates. They would make their living asking for alms and the Jewish people would give to it. And so twice a day, every day, they would sit out there and they would collect, especially people like this man we read about who was lame. He, he, he could not move. He could not walk. He had to be taken there, dropped off there, and picked up from there. He was incapable of providing a living for himself. So this was his living. Like this was his life. And so Peter and John go in to pray during this afternoon prayer hour. And what the man was seeking was provision to help his temporary need. But what God was wanting to do was to completely alter his entire life. He, he was not 
looking to just aid his temporary problem. He was looking to overhaul the man's entire reality that he had been living. Peter and John notice this man. There's a scene described. He catches their eye. He asks for his attention back. And he, he says, be healed, walk in the name of Jesus. And he puts out his hand and he helps him up. And Luke that's writing this, Luke is a physician. Luke is a doctor. In the Greek language, he uses more nuanced, complex words that people that were educated use because of his profession. Luke had a more enhanced vocabulary as a doctor. And when Luke writes about the man standing up and being healed, he uses terms that are not used anywhere else in the scripture. The, the only terms, the only time these terms are seen in the entirety of the scripture is in this section of Acts, because what Luke is describing when he says, and you can't see it when you just read the English, but the Greek shows it, he's describing medically his bones and his muscles and his joints standing up and being strengthened. When Luke describes Peter reaching out and the man standing to his feet, he is describing a medical miracle taking place. This man's bones and muscles and joints that have never functioned are now functioning. They were weak and non-existent, and now they're healthy and strong. He is, he is medically and biologically describing a miracle of God that as a lame man is now able to walk. How cool is that? This is not adrenaline. This is not emotion. No, Luke is saying, this man is healed. This man's situation physically has changed because of what took place here. Here's a picture of the temple so you guys can get an idea. Um, this entire thing is about the size of a football field and a half. Okay, so this is not a, a, a small structure. This is not a small complex. This is a monster temple here, a monster um, piece of construction that God's people would come and pray. These are the outer courts of the Gentiles, and you can see there's gates all around it. There's 10 gates all around, and depending on where you were coming from in your journey, you would go through different ones, but most people came through the main gate, which was the gate beautiful. The gate beautiful was um, called that simply because it was more luxurious, and there was Corinth gold and silver and all kinds of uh, all kinds of beautiful, amazing pieces of art and construction. This was not an ordinary door one walked through. This was the main gate where most of the traffic would have been. And so people would have flooded in here. And these first courts here is where the majority of people would have stayed to pray. When you go in the priest courts here, this is where the altar is and the sacrifices took place. And then even in there, the Holy of Holies, that's where only the priests went. But the sacrifices were here. They would offer sacrifice. And then some people would pray in here. There'd be a lot of people during the hour of prayer praying in here and then outside at the court of the Gentiles. And so it was believed that this man that was asking for alms was sitting right outside of the gate Beautiful. He was sitting there because that's where the most traffic would have been. That's where he would have gotten to see the most people. He would not have gone into the temple because he would have been seen and considered unclean. He stayed outside. So he was able to catch people coming in, catch people coming out. And this happened morning and afternoon. This happened consistently. This happened very often where the story is taking place today. So here's, here's some observations that I want to give you this morning and some encouragement around this story. The first thing is this, and you should have these in your notes. Number one, know what you don't have. 
I want to encourage you today to know and be aware of what you do not have. Verse number six, Peter looks at him and he says, straight up, silver and gold I do not have. There's no hiding it. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no dodging the reality. He is very straightforward. He has come to terms with the reality of the situation. I don't have silver or gold. I don't have this to give you. I know you're looking at me. The scriptures say he looked at them expecting this from them. I know that's what you're looking for. I know that's what you're expecting when I called for you, but I don't have it. He's communicating clearly and he is aware of the reality of his lack in the situation. Here's what I know about myself and what I know about every single person I've ever met in my life is that nobody enjoys lack. <laughs> nobody enjoys lack. The only lack you enjoy is a lack of problems. Come on, somebody. It's like everything else, like people, none of us enjoy lack. And I'm not just talking about financial lack here. I'm talking about a lack in any area of our lives, a lack of wisdom, a lack of direction, a lack of knowledge, a lack of peace, a lack of margin, a lack of finance and resources. None of us love lack. And I also know about all of us is all of us have lack. All of us. No matter who you are, what season of life you're in, there are areas of your life, I would bet many, there are areas of my life that are many where I have lack. And I just want to encourage you this morning around the areas of lack in your life, know what you don't have. Know what you don't have. We, we don't like the reality of lack in our lives because for some reason we believe the lie that no one else around us has lack. And so we don't like to look like we have lack. And so we really have lack, but we act like we don't have lack. And we think that if we deny our insufficiency and our lack, that it's not really real in our lives. And I'm just trying to encourage you this morning, know what you don't have. Know, know your lack. Silver and gold, I don't have that. I just don't have it. Because God will never ask you to give something you can't give. God will never ask you of something that you don't have. If there's a gap between what you have and what God is asking, God will fill in the gap with what he's asked because you can't give what you lack. Look, I can't give you this because I lack this. I, I do not have... This, I, I'm not encouraging you this morning to obsess about your lack. <laughs> I'm not encouraging just daily and hourly to just think about your lack and rehearse your lack and obsess with your lack. That's what I'm saying. But I am asking you to know your lack, to be aware of it. Don't deny the lack in your life. The lack is actually the place of potential miracle in your life. Your, your lack is is where God wants to meet you in your place of need. You're, you're not enough is where God fills in where you're not enough. Your, your lack is actually where God does his work. And so if you deny it exists, how can God move somewhere that you don't even act like is really a place? How, how can God fill in a gap that you are pretending doesn't exist? Know your lack. 
Silver and gold I do not have. I just know I was reflecting this week as I was preparing this over my own life. I have never, not one day, felt like I had every resource I needed to do what God has called me to do, every talent, every competency and ability. I have never at one point in my life felt like I have everything and every dollar and every skill and every plan for everything God has called me to do. And if you've ever felt like that, you're probably delusional. (laughs) Or you haven't heard a big enough dream from God for your life, or you're not aware of enough need around you or mission kingdom advancement around you. I I just found I'm always aware of my lack. And again, I'm not going to obsess over it. I'm not inviting pity parties here, but I am saying be aware of it and know the reality. Silver and gold, I don't have it. I don't have it because it's in your place of lack where God wants to do do the miraculous. It's in your place of lack where God can meet you and do what you cannot do for yourself. In the book of Judges, there's a guy named Gideon who, to say the least, is not brave or mighty or confident in his abilities to fight and battle. He is, he is hiding away from the front lines uh, very cowardly and very shyly. And God comes to Gideon and he calls him a mighty warrior. I'm calling you out of threshing the wheat and I'm calling you to the battle. And Gideon's like, wrong dude. Not, not me. Like that's, I'm not the mighty warrior. That's not like, I don't have all of that strength and courage that you say I have and that you're calling me to. Okay. Judges chapter six. And here's what God says to Gideon in his lack. Okay. The Lord turns to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel from Midian's Hand. So he, here's what he says. He, he, he doesn't say, get more courageous and get out there. He says, no, get out there with what? The strength you have. So you're, you're very aware of what you don't have. And that's okay. God can make up for that. But I'm asking you to go with what you do have. So I don't have a lot. I don't, I don't feel like that's okay. Go with what you got. Go with what God has put in your hand. Go in the strength you do have. The second thing is this, we also need to know what we do have. I know what I don't have, but I also know what I do have. The second part of verse number six, I love Peter says, hey, silver, gold, I don't have it. That's what I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He knew he didn't have silver or gold, but he did know he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he knew he didn't have silver or gold, but he did know that he followed a man named Jesus from Nazareth that did miracles right in front of his eyes and, and died and rose again. He, he did know he's got a relationship with that guy. He, he did know he was in an upper room praying, and like a mighty rushing wind, the Spirit of God was poured out and, and, and saw something. He, he, he did know he had that. He knew he didn't have something that would just change this man's temporary situation. He knew he had something that would alter this man's entire life. And he knows that he has that and he knows what it is because of how he says what he does when he performs a miracle. He says, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, walk. Okay, so he, he knows whose power he's calling on. It's not Peter's power 
It's not John's power, it's Jesus' power. Even the beginning of Acts, we saw where Luke writes, this is the beginning of what God did in the beginning of the signs and wonders. Why is it the beginning? Because Peter was gonna keep doing it. So he, he calls on the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus. This was very significant in that day. You transferred and carried authority by someone's name. If someone was leaving um, the presence of a king or a ruler or an official to carry a message or to carry something, they would take the message and they would begin the message by saying, with the authority of this official, with the authority of this king, with the authority of this ruler, and if they, if they carried that name, everything they said had followed that came in with the authority of the name because there was power in the name. This is why even in the Gospels, Jesus, he talks to officials and he says, hey, listen, I say this and they say that because people, because there's authority that comes with titles and names. And so Peter is not doing this on his own authority. Peter is borrowing the authority, he's beckoning the authority from the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, walk. He knows it's not him doing it. He knows this is not Peter's power. He knows this is not Peter's doing. He knows this is God's power. He knows this is the work of Jesus. He knows what he does have. He has access to the power of Jesus. And we see him say this as he begins to preach in the second half of chapter number three. After they perform the miracle, Peter preaches the gospel. He says in verse number 12, when Peter saw this, he said to him, why does this surprise you? So the crowd's looking at Peter because the guy's running around dancing, celebrating now, and everybody's amazed. And Peter's like, hey, wh why are you shocked here? And then look at this. Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? <laughs> Don't you love this? Like all eyes are on Peter and John, and Peter and John's like, you're looking at the wrong place. We didn't do this. This is not our godliness. This was not our power. We didn't do this. This was done by the power of God. He says it again in verse number 16. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see was made strong. It's Jesus' name in faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. He's, he's doubling down on the fact, making sure they know, I didn't heal this man Jesus healed this man. It's faith in the name of Jesus. It's the power of Jesus that healed this man. It's not my godliness. It's not my power. And this right here, this is the testimony of every follower of Christ. Anything God would ever do with your life or my life or our church or any church, here's the testimony. This was not us. It was him. Every time. This was never my doing, never my skill, never my strategy, never my righteousness, never my godliness. It was him. It was Jesus. It was his power through his people, through the church. Peter, Peter's deflecting the glory. He's deflecting the attention. This was not us. This was him. Why? Because he knew what he had. He had the power from Jesus. Look, I want you to know what you do have today. You, don't, you might not have the resources, but you have Jesus and he's your provider. You, you might not have a plan or direction, but you have Jesus and he is your guide and his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You, you might not have strength on your own today, but you have Jesus and the joy of the Lord is your strength. You, you don't have peace right now, but you've got Jesus, and he is my peace that surpasses all understanding. I know what I don't have, but I also know what I do have. In Jesus, you have way more than you think you do. I just want that to sit in for a second. 
because you're really aware this morning of what you don't have, and that's fine. But I want you to be aware of what you do have. And in Jesus, you have way more than you think you have. You have way more than you think you have. Silver and gold, don't got it. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. The third thing is this, and I want this to really challenge you today. I hope this makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Number three is this. Be ready for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be ready for the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right, this is where it gets super interesting here. Um, You know, as we said before, it was very common for people with physical ailments or the poor to sit outside of the gates, okay? So especially since this man, the scriptures tell us he was lame from birth. So what we know is this guy's been doing this for a long time. This, This was not his first day asking, begging for alms. Okay, this guy is probably for decades has been sustained with his life by begging for alms, okay? We also know, Jewish custom, that people went in and out of the temple multiple times a day, all the time. So, so it's, not, it's not even a stretch to say Peter and John had been in this temple before, many times. So if this man has been there a long time, Peter and John, as Jews, had done this a lot, what we know is Peter and John passed this guy a ton. Like there's a chance even there was like a little bit of face recognition. Like, yeah, I've seen him before. Like, yeah, they've passed before. Yeah, I've seen him. Like it, it was, is, is not a stretch at all to say they had passed this guy, they had seen this guy. They had probably even, as Jews following what Jews did, they probably had given alms to this guy before. It's not even a stretch to think that Jesus, we know Jesus entered the temple. We know Jesus is where Jesus reads the scrolls. Jesus went and prayed. We, it's not a stretch even to think Jesus had been in geographical proximity to this man before. Interesting to think that Jesus had most likely been around this guy. Peter and John, other apostles have been around this guy probably not once, probably not twice, probably often, and guess what? They never healed him. They just didn't, they didn't heal him. You know, it's like, it's easy in the book of Acts to just see miracle, 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 and think like, all the time, every time there was anything, there was miracle and provision. Like, that's not true. Like, Jesus in the Gospel of John goes to the pool of Bethesda that is packed with sick people and heals one. So like, let that sink into your theological brain for a second. Like, just healed one. Like, Peter and John passed this guy before at the temple and didn't, he hadn't been healed before. He's still there. He's still asking for alms. But when Luke describes this instance, he says, Peter looked straight at him. So this is a different day, okay? They had passed him before. They had probably seen him before. But on this day, it says that Peter looked straight at him as did John. Okay, so what Luke's describing here in the original text 
is not just they passed each other, they looked at each other, because you know when you're out places and when you're out in public, you know, you, you see people and, and you make eye contact with some people as you observe a room or as you're walking down an aisle at a store or as you're in a parking lot and there's people around you, you're observing and you make eye contact. So, so it's one thing to, to see someone and make brief eye contact, but, but like it's another thing when you make eye contact with someone and there's some kind of like, thought or feeling or nerves that are like, like where, where, where you make eye contact and it kind of sticks for a second. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody happen in public where you're like, that was kind of weird. I don't know if I should look back, but we, we kind of made eye contact and it was, it was more than just the glance. It was like, hey, there was something. Did I know them? Were they looking at me in a certain kind of way? Am I supposed to, right? It was, it was a moment where their, their attention locked. So on this day, the glance was different. And even that's why Peter looks at him and says right after, like, hey, look, pay attention to us. Like he doubles down on that feeling. <laughs> How many know it's bold when you lock eyes with somebody? There's some kind of people that go, oh, no. And there's others that go, hey. <laughs> Peter this time, like, doubled down. He said, hey, look at me. Look at me. The, the, the picture being described here is Peter and John now filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I think as they lock eyes, this day was different than other days. Why? Because the Spirit was nudging them. Hey, hey, God wants to do something here today. He, he, he hadn't done this in past days, and that's fine, but today he wants, he's, he wants to do something today. And so as Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being open to what the Spirit is doing, he locks eyes with this guy, and I just think in, in Peter's spirit, he's just that God wants to do something today. Hey, look, hey look, look, look at me, look at me. Silver and gold I don't have, but I just got to think faith is welling up in his heart. God wants to heal this guy today. God wants to heal this guy today. So he says what he says. How many know it's one thing to like pray for healing for someone? You know, like in Jesus' name be healed. Then you kind of like want to leave and run quick because you don't actually want to test if what you did worked. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I'm kind of doubtful about this. I have faith, but it's also crazy to me that God does this. I know he can, but you know, it's like you pray for someone in Jesus' name. Amen. And then you're like, see you later. You know, like <laughs> Am I the only one that sometimes feels like this, where you're like, man, I know God can do it, and I want God to do it, but I just, my own flesh and doubt gets in sometimes. But how do you know? It's a different thing for Peter to say, in the name of Jesus, walk. And he doesn't leave. He's like, oh, time for prayer, you know. No, no, no. Reaches out his hand. Come on, let's try this. <laughs> I mean, no, that's some faith. Hey, get up and walk. Let's try this thing. Puts his right hand out. And even as Luke describes it, it's as the man is reaching out and being helped up when his bones begin to strengthen. It's, it's as faith is activated, as faith is put into motion by Peter and this guy. Like, you've got to think about this guy. He's thinking, I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose. I've been here for, been here for decades, and, and here, here we go. And, and it's as faith is activated that the miracle takes place. And I'm, I'm encouraging you, church. I'm trying to challenge you. I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable. I'm trying to, trying to plead with you to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
Like, I, I don't think every minute, every hour of every day, every single person you ever see that is sick, God is gonna ask you to heal them. Every single need you ever become aware of, God is asking you to provide a miraculous provision for it. I, like, there's certain people with the gift of faith and the gift of healing that operate in those things. So I'm, I'm not saying, in biblically speaking, you don't see that in Acts, every single person, every single situation, every single moment of every day. But there are times in the life of a believer where you're going about your day and the Spirit says, Hold up, I want to do something here. Just at the lawn and garden out at Lowe's, picking up some tarps for your leaves, you know, whatever it is. Maybe overhear a conversation, or maybe you cross eyes with somebody, and the Holy Spirit's just like, God needs prayer today. Like, it's probably not all the time, every day, but I'm, I'm telling you if, if you, if you open your heart and you open your mind to the fact that the Spirit of God is alive and active, He lives inside of you, Spirit of God knows things about people you don't know, Spirit of God can fill you and lead you in such a way to be a minister of the gospel to people and to bless people in ways that you couldn't imagine. And I, I'm just telling you if, you, if you open your heart and your mind to it, the Spirit will just nudge a little bit. They'll just nudge you sometimes. Hey, that person needs prayer today. Hey, that person, that person needs some help today. Hey, that person needs to hear the gospel today. Hey, that person needs a hug today. Hey, that, like, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but the Holy Spirit will talk to you if you listen. He'll nudge you. He'll speak to you. And I'm just encouraging you when you have that moment where Peter locked eyes with him and the Spirit's nudging him and he calls. I'm just, in that moment, I'm just telling you, have faith. Have faith to be obedient. Because what Peter could have done is like, ah, 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 prayer, you know, like, it's like, like, you, you can run from those moments and avoid those moments, but I'm just encouraging you by the power of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, lean into being open to what God would lead you to do. Some of you, God's going to nudge you this week. It might be a family member. It might, need, it might be a coworker. It might be a stranger. It might be a neighbor, uh, whatever it is. Be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit because God will never ask you to do something you can't do. You say, but Pastor Nate, I don't have, I know what you don't have. What do you have? Silver and gold, you don't have. That's fine, but you do have something. So what God's gonna ask of you is not gonna be something you don't have. What God is gonna nudge you towards is not gonna be something you can't do. So, so with what you do have, go in the strength you have. With the door that is open, walk in the door that's open and let God fill in the gap for what you can't do. Be open and be ready for the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing is this as I close this morning. The miracle sets up the message. The miracle sets up the message. The miracle doesn't just happen to happen. This is, you, all throughout the book of Acts, this is the pattern. This is the thing we see that there's, there's never, it's never just a miracle for the sake of a miracle. It's always a miracle that God performs in order to further the message of the gospel. So there's a miracle done to demonstrate the power of the gospel that's gonna be preached after the miracle. So notice Peter is not just heal this guy, everyone takes notice, and then it's like, wow, look at the guy. Wow, look, he's healed, wow. No, everyone is in awe, everyone is amazed, everyone's talking and gathering. So Peter stands up in those balconies you saw in the temple. He stands up and goes, hey, everybody, listen up, listen up, listen up. This was not just 
a medical miracle today, although that was true, that this is not just what that was. This was Jesus' power healing this man. And he goes on to preach the gospel. He tells them who Jesus was. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. You killed him. Your sin put him there. You betrayed him. He calls for repentance. Repent so that your sins may be forgiven and times of refreshing may come to you. This is the good news. And people hear and repent and get saved that day out of what the miracle that happened. So the miracle is never just about the miracle. The miracle is helping advance the message. It's just so important and so true for us as we ask God to do miraculous things in our lives and in our church. We're, we're not just asking for power from heaven just for spiritual power, just for spiritual flexing, just for, no, no, no. We're doing it so that the message of Jesus and the gospel can be advanced so, so that people can see the power of God and say, hey, this is what you're seeing. This is, this is who Jesus is. This, this is not about us. This is not about our church. It's not about this person, that person. It's about Jesus. The miracle will always be backed by the message. You'll see that every single miracle the apostles perform, they're always clearing the air. Here's what just happened. Here's who, here's who did this, and here's how you're to respond. Repent, he says, for times of refreshing are coming. The miracle sets up the message. Look, I don't just want to live with power. I want to I speak with power. I don't just want to live with power. I want to preach with power. I don't just want my life to have power. I want my words to have power. This is so important. This is the book of Romans says, how will they hear unless someone's preached to them? This is not, we're, 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 we're not just calling on power for power's sake. The message of the gospel must be proclaimed. It must be preached. It must be articulated and verbally spoken. This is who Jesus is. This is what he has done. This is what we are to do in response of it. So I'm believing God in your life as you're open, even this week, to a leading of the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I pray power from God would be true in your life. But I pray it wouldn't just be power. I pray you'd open your mouth and give a message about who Jesus is. I don't just want to see great, powerful miracles in our church. I do, but I want our church alongside of that to be proclaiming the message of Jesus preaching the word of Jesus. May God use our lives to be conduits of his power and his message in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.